Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Okay, well, what we're going to do today is we are going to finish this uh, great series on the life of Moses called God Will Make a Way. And it's been an incredible time. You know, there's actually, I don't normally do this, but normally I'm pretty, uh, pretty prepared for uh, my, my messages. God, you know, I'm generally on it. And for some reason over this last two months, it hasn't been the case. I've come into my Saturday nights being like, God, I need you, you know, and I, I don't know what to do. And so I'm like, Lord, please help me. And he's just been so faithful uh, every single time to speak to my heart and give me, I believe, a prophetic thoughts for our church. And so very simple today. Today is a very simple, uh, I want, what I felt like the Lord wanted me to do is to look back over this series and just give you the seven lessons from the life of Moses. And so I encourage you, if you have a phone, get your notes out, your notepad or your uh, note uh, app out. If you have a pen or a piece of paper, come on. These things will help you, and I believe they're going to help your life. And so I encourage you to take, take notes. You know, you say, Ryan, why do you encourage me to take notes? Well, David took notes, and then we had the book of Psalms. So, um, you know, I encourage you to write down what God's speaking to you and write it down because it's hard for us to remember what God said to our hearts if we don't write that sucker down. And so I encourage you. So let's uh, just go through this today. I don't have a key text today. Uh, for those of you who are visiting or watching online for the first time, generally we will uh, spend a, a good chunk of our time in scripture and we will do that today. But I'm gonna, it's because I'm giving you seven different thoughts from seven different weeks, I wanna, I'll hit on a, a, sermon, or, or a scripture here and there, uh, but uh, there'll be no key text today. And so we'll be walking through this together. But the purpose of this series has been to look at the life of Moses and to understand how, how God made a way despite Moses, how God had a plan. And I love that song today, Lord, you're our firm foundation. Lord, when everything around us is crumbling, God, I put my trust in Jesus. Right. Come on, and how I, I, I trust in the Lord and how we see that through the life of Moses. Moses lived to be 120 years old and he died and still healthy. The Bible clearly says, didn't say Moses couldn't see or Moses couldn't walk. Moses died, ready to live another 120 years. He was healthy, healthy as an ox. This guy just kept going similar to Pastor Kim here, uh, just healthy as an ox. Like, you know, like, how old are you? You're 80, 85, is that right? 85, 86, 84? I am sorry, I took two years away. 84, oh my goodness. But, you know, Moses was just healthy. He just died and then went to heaven and went to the promised land, the spiritual promised land and so, but, but if you look back over Moses' life, you recognize that Moses had a lot of areas in his life that, 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 that weren't great, yet God continued to call him. And God continued to use him despite. And I've heard a lot of people say to me, Ryan, man, I've been listening back to this series. It's so pertinent for my life. And the reason is, is because you're called by God. And every one of us here today wants to talk God out of using us. Every person here today wants to talk God out of why, God, you should choose someone else. God, why you? I don't want to be used by you. Or God, I don't want to go that direction. And it's not because we don't want God to bless us. It's because we're swearing we're going to screw the thing up. And here's the truth. You probably will. But isn't God so faithful? 
And isn't God so good to know that even when you are screw up like me and we make mistakes and fall short of the glory of God, the Holy Spirit continues to speak to us and use us and prompt us and convict us. And yes, is there a moment when we start to reject the voice of the Holy Spirit where God says, okay, then like I'm gonna kind of step back a little bit because obviously you don't want relationship with me. I'm still gonna prod you and speak to you and put my heart upon you and, and try to woo you. But at the end of the day, there's gotta be a willingness to say yes to God. And so let's go through these seven thoughts here today, and I hope they encourage you. My arm's hurting, I'm sorry. And uh, I'm just gonna do this for a minute because I have a cramp in my arm right now. Come on, here's the first one. You can write this down. The first thought today is that it's a setup. Now I'm gonna take our seven words, our seven phrases that we use over the last seven weeks. It's a setup. God's setup is built on your surrender. God wants to set you up. He actually right now, what you don't realize is that behind the scenes, God is working to set you up for the purposes that he has for your life. Right now, behind the scenes, God is absolutely working. In fact, I feel the Holy Spirit wants me to say that loud and clear today. Some of you think that your life has been untouched by God. You say, God, how did I get here? Or why am I in this situation? Or why am I facing this hardship? And you say, God, where are you? And the word of the Lord for you today is that God is right with you. He is present. He is with you. He is working behind the scenes. You don't see it. You don't feel it. You don't understand it. You don't know how it's going to work out. But God has been working on your behalf, trying to get you to where he wants you to be. It's a setup. And what we realize is that God is working behind the scenes. But in order for God to work behind the scenes, it's not just your yes God's needs. God needs a yes from a lot of people to get you where you need to go. We looked at the, the early life of Moses, and if you read it in the first few, uh, just the first couple chapters of Exodus, you see that God, uh, really, if you read, it's like one chapter where, where, where Moses goes from being born amongst a, a tyrannical king who's killing all the young children, the young boys, from that moment all the way, just a chapter later, Moses ends up in the courts of Pharaoh being trained as the next ruler of Egypt. So in one chapter, we saw like, man, look what God did. God just navigated everything. He moved people. He moved things. Man, like God made a way where there was no way. And on the outside, it just looks like, you know, God just moved everyone like pawn pieces. And, you know, just like God just worked it all out. And, you know, praise God. You know, Moses got from the, the, the crib to, 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 to Pharaoh's daughter back to, the, back to his mom. And then he got sent all the way back to, to Pharaoh's daughter again. And here he's trained in this place. Like, man, God got him where he needed to go. But we'll be, if you look closer at the story, we are reminded that among all all of that story, there were people along the journey who had to say yes to God in order for Moses to get where he needed to go. A lot of times when we read a story in the Bible, we often make ourselves the hero of the story. We often look at the story and think, well, obviously I'm the Moses of the story. Well, maybe you're not the Moses. Maybe you're Moses' mom. Maybe you're not Moses. Maybe you're Moses' sister. You think, oh, man, it's about me, right? God's getting me where No, maybe God is using you to position your child to be the Moses. And God needs your yes as a dad to start getting serious about reading your word and serving the Lord because actually this isn't about you. This is about your future generation serving God and making a difference for the kingdom of God. You say, well, I thought this was about me. Well, maybe this isn't about you. Maybe this is about your wife accomplishing the call of God in her life. And he needs you to say yes and stop being so dang selfish and start loving on your wife more. 
Maybe this isn't about you. Maybe this is about not about you. Maybe it's about your grandparents or your children or you, the student at school or that person at your work. See, what you don't realize is that your simple yes in the kingdom of God isn't always about your future. It's about others' future. God is using people in situations to set you up for where God's trying to take you. And so we see that all throughout the story, and I won't read it all again, but we see that, man, uh, his parents, Moses' parents, uh, Jochebed and, and Amram had to say yes to giving up their child. Moses is crying in the middle of the night. How many parents know that? Like with their kids crying and freaking out. And they're like, oh my gosh, my kid's crying again. See, in those days, if they found out that Moses was alive, they would have killed the whole family. So then they decided, you know, Amram's like, babe, like we gotta, we gotta do something here. And Jacobet's like, no way am I putting my kid in that water in a, in a reed basket. And Amram's like, babe, we gotta do this. Like, I know it's hard, but we gotta trust in the Lord. This is what God's asking us to do. He's asking us to give up everything for the call of God. So they say, okay, Lord, like here it is. And Jacobet creates this little, little boat, perfectly waterproof boat and puts it in the Nile River when everyone else is killing their kids in the Nile. She's saving her kid in the Nile and puts this baby in the Nile and the, 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 the air temperature and the, and the movement of the wind and the waves in that moment just perfectly went down the Nile River to where Pharaoh's daughter just happened to be out there bathing and she was a, a, a barren woman who her siblings had died and her children would be the heir to the throne. Did you know that? that? The theologians tell us that this woman was barren and her child would be the heir to the throne and so even she couldn't have children and here comes Moses, the next ruler of Egypt. God knew all that was going on. He just needed someone's yes. It's a setup, but you got to say yes. And as it went down the water, as this little reed basket, there's Pharaoh's daughter. And if it wasn't for Jochebed's yes, in that moment, this, they wouldn't have found the reed basket in that very moment when Pharaoh's daughter was there. And it just so happens that Miriam had the boldness to say yes to God, to burst through those reeds, knowing that she could have been arrested and beaten. She said, hey, do you need someone to wean that child? She goes, well, yeah, sure. And she went back and found her mama and she got paid to wean and breastfeed a child. Praise God. Why? Because there's a yes. See, God's trying to set you up. But if you're unwilling to go with the plan of God, you're not going to get where he's trying to get you. He's trying to set your child up. But if you don't got a yes in your spirit to be a man of God or a woman of God or do the things of God, you're going to miss out. God's trying to set you up. He wants to get you to his purposes. He wants to make a way, but it's based upon your willingness to say yes to God. We see that then he ended up in the in Egypt, and we see in one chapter this beautiful story, but it doesn't just take God moving. God's not that, you know, we don't believe that. God doesn't move people around forcefully. He works with our yes. It's the foundation. Our yes is the foundation for God's setup in your life. And we see that his parents had faith. And by faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was, he was special, something unusual and they were not afraid of the king's edict. They made a choice. You know what? Lord, we have to give up our child the first time. And then the second time, five years later, after they had raised this child, laid a foundation for him, they had to walk their child back to the courts of Pharaoh and give their son up to be Pharaoh's daughter. Literally saying, like, okay, God, they had to make, don't you think they could have fled and ran away? No, they chose. Okay, Lord, this is what you're telling us to do. You're telling us to give up our only child or not our only child, but one of our children. You're asking us to give up our child so that your purposes 
can be fulfilled. It required a pretty big sacrificial yes. God wants to set you up, but somewhere along the line in our North American context, we think that God's yes leads to comfortability. We think that our yes leads to things being better. We think that our yes leads to more finances or better relationships or an easier life. Did you know that that's not how it works in the kingdom of God? Did you know the kingdom of God, when we have a yes, and I know you're like, man, I do not like this sermon. This is terrible. <laughs> Did you know that your yes leads to more sacrifice? And it leads to more effort. And it leads to laying down more of your finances and more of the things you have in your life. But that's not how I like it. Well, I'm sorry, but that's what it means to be a disciple and follower of Jesus Christ. You're like, dang, I wish I would have gone to another church today. Man, I'm going to listen to Joel Osteen later on to get my encouragement up. That's the truth. But every time you say yes to God, guess what? His way ends up being better. You see, I didn't have that in my mind. Jochebed's like, man, I'm going to give up my kid. Little did she know, just a few days later, the kid comes back and she gets paid to wean the child. That's how God works. But it takes some sacrifice. It takes some acceptance that I don't know if Moses is going to get picked up by anything. I just know he's going in the water. I don't know how it's going to end, but I trust in the Lord. Man, I'm prophesying to somebody today. We should just close the service right now. How about that? We still got six more. Oh my gosh, are you ready? Whew. Okay, let's get on to the next one here. The next thought here today is this, is that this phrase, it isn't your time yet. We learn in this scripture that in this passage of scripture that there is a right time and a right way and a right person for God's purposes. See, in order for you to fulfill the purposes of God for your life, there is a right time. There is a right way, God's way, and you have to be the right person. Often in, in the kingdom of God, when we're journeying in life, God gives you a vision. Maybe it's a marriage or maybe it's a relationship or maybe you want children or maybe it's a promotion in your job or maybe you're gonna move somewhere or maybe God's given you direction in your life. And often we're like, man, this is what I want with my life. But what happens is, is that we often get ahead of God and it causes destruction in our life. We're like, God, why are you doing this? He says, my son, I didn't, I didn't tell you to do that. You got the right idea. But it's not the right time. That wasn't the way I intended it. And you're not ready. And we see this, that Moses was in Egypt, you know, 35 years in Egypt. And we see that in his heart, he knew, the Hebrews 11 tells us that he rejected the, the, the things of Egypt. He was, he understood that his parents taught him that he was a, an Israelite and he was a Hebrew and that he was called by God. He knew about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so along the journey, Moses, very clearly in scripture in Hebrews 11, that Moses rejected the idea of being the king's son, rejected the pleasures of Egypt because he knew that God had called him for a greater purpose. So here he is feeling this sense that I'm a redeemer. We know this because theologians tell us that, that, that the taskmaster that, that Moses killed was actually a well-known taskmaster that was beating up on a specific group of people that was personal to Moses. And he would come into the palace and be like, yeah, we took these stupid Israelites out and man, we beat them. And Moses like, that's enough. I'm gonna go save my people. So Moses goes out one day, as the scripture tells us, and he kills this Egyptian taskmaster thinking I finally accomplished God's purpose for my life. Look what I did. I killed this guy. I buried him in the sand. He goes out the next day thinking, man, they're going to throw a parade in my honor. But what he didn't, for, he didn't realize is that he looked like an Egyptian. He talked like an Egyptian. And when he killed the Egyptian, he acted like an Egyptian. God hadn't done the work in him. He wasn't ready yet. So even though his heart was there, his mind was there, it wasn't God's time. It wasn't God's way. And he wasn't the right person. 
And so we see that he went out the next day and they're like, he's like, hi guys. Like, oh, you're gonna kill me like you killed the Egyptian. And then it says the scripture that Pharaoh knew. And Pharaoh, who knows Moses, finally goes, finally I got an opportunity to kill this guy who's gonna take my throne. So he goes out and says, bounty, you know, Moses' face wanted, you know, dead, not alive, just barely dead. And bury him in the sand. And he sees these things. And what does is, what is Moses do? He runs and grabs his go bag, you know, his bag ready to go. And he gets out of the, where do I go? What do I do? Well, what's now? Well, what happens? And the scripture doesn't say God spoke to him and say, go to Midian. No, he just ran in the direction he felt he needed to go. And he just happened to stumble upon a well. And then at the well was the shepherd daughters and he saves the shepherd's daughters. And it just so happened that Zipporah was there and she was a good looking lady. And so he's like, hey, oh, she comes back and they get married and he has kids. And now he's under Jethro's tutelage. And do you know the word Jethro means shepherd of God? So here he is positioned in a place because of the, despite his mistakes, by the way, he was a murderer. That he tried to get ahead of God. He tried to do it his way. I want to hear, hear me today. When you get ahead of God, it leads to confusion and destruction. So if you're in a season right now, you're like, man, I'm confused. You need to hear me. That is not God. That's you. God does not confuse so if you're like, oh man, this is confusing, and man, I'm in this situation, and man, I just, man, I don't know why I can afford to go out and eat. Well, maybe you shouldn't have bought the $150,000 truck you couldn't afford, but God spoke to me. No, he didn't. Maybe, you know, why is this relationship falling apart? Well, maybe it's because she doesn't know Jesus and your value system's completely separated. And there's a lot of really great things in her that you want in your wife, but you got ahead of God. It was not the right time. It was not the right way. And you ain't ready for marriage. You have to recognize that there's a right time, there's a, a right way, and God wants to do a work in our life. And trust me, God knows when the time is right, when the Israelites were ready, when the Egyptians were ready, when the time was right in our life. All of a sudden, God came on the scene and said this, Moses, I'm sorry, years passed and the king of Egypt died, but the Israelites continued to groan under the burden of slavery and they cried out to help and their cry rose up to God and God heard their groaning and remembered, excuse me, his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and he looked down on the people of Israel and knew it was time to act. Okay, it's the right time and I'm gonna do it my way and finally after 40 years, Moses is ready. After 40 years, 80 years old, Pastor Kim, you got a, you got a lot ahead of you, brother. 80 years old, 80 years for God to get this guy ready. Well, I'm 21 and I'm ready. No, you ain't. <laughs> I'm ready to pastor a church. Trust me, no, you're not. Not the right time, but when the time is right and you've yielded to the Lord, it'll be the right time, it'll be the right way, and you'll be the right person. Come on, here's the third one here today. The answer is no. <laughs> God isn't concerned with your weaknesses or even your sin he is concerned with a willing heart. God looks past our weaknesses and our failures and our shortcomings. If we look, Moses, remember Moses was the author of the book of Exodus. So Moses was the one, if you read back on his life, you look back and realize that Moses wrote all of the times, if you, if you just read it as a story, Moses continuously said no to God. Uh, not me. What if they don't listen to me? I don't have any giftings. I can't speak well. 
And at one point he just said, actually, no, send somebody else. Moses would constantly, but the crazy part about it, Moses could have left all of that out. And I would have. <laughs> I would have started at the part where I was like splitting waters, you know? Moses could have left that out, but no, the Holy Spirit said, no, you're not allowed to leave that out because I need people to see that even when you were unwilling, I continued to pursue you. That even when you were weak, I continued to want to help you. Even when there was a no all over you, there was a small, little, tiny mustard seed ounce of yes on your spirit. And that is enough for me. I just need a small yes. I just need an inch. I just need a centimeter of yes in your heart. I eventually want it all. I just need you to hear that. I eventually want total surrender that you will do anything I tell you to do, even if it hurts. I want you to know that, but I'm okay to start with just a seed. We look past the, back at the life of Moses and we see Moses was back and forth arguing with God, arguing with God, back and forth, send someone else, send someone else, send someone else, send someone else. God, send someone else. Someone said, not me. I don't want to go. Don't make me do this. I don't want to go that direction. And finally, the Bible says that Moses finally did all the Lord commanded him to do because he probably got tired of saying no to God and God saying, hey, your no means nothing to me. I'm still going to use you. I still, I see there's an ounce of willingness in your heart. I see that still, even at the age of 80 years old, after all that we've taught, you're still now not fully grasping that I've chosen you. I've chosen you to write that book. I've chosen you to start that business. I've chosen you to lead that ministry. I've chosen you to be that dad or that mom. I've chosen you to be that teacher. I've chosen you. Yes, you're not qualified. Yes, it's not on your resume. Yes, 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 yes. I know you just aren't that great. We all, like God knows. He's like, he's fully aware from the end of the beginning of all of your problems and issues. And God's like, yeah, I'm aware. I made you. I see it all. I'm omnipotent. I'm omnipresent. You think you can hide from me? You go up to heaven. I'm there. You go to the depths. I'm there. You can't hide from me. Yet still, I'm wooing you, calling you, leading you. I want to use you. I see that yes in your heart. I see that ounce of, God, I do want to do what you want to do, but this is really hard. Well, of course it's hard. I see that sense in your heart, and eventually Moses did. And these excuses that he made, which I won't talk about, are very common to us. I want to encourage you today. He wants your complete surrender, but God well knows that surrender is hard. He knows it's hard to give up everything. He knows that it takes years to come to a place where you realize, man, God, total surrender to Jesus is so much better than my terrible life. <laughs> total surrender to Christ, though hard, is so much more peace-filled and joy-filled and influential and life-changing and provision. Like, I just can't even begin to describe to you how serving Jesus completely is so far much better than doing things Ryan's way. Ryan's way stakes. In fact, we see that at the very end of Moses' life, that even up to the very end, Moses was still struggling. You need to hear this. You say, Ryan, will I ever get over the insecurity? Probably not. Isn't there a day where I'm like so full of faith that I just walk on water? Not really. You can walk on water and you're like, oh shoot, I can't swim. <laughs> so you're like, is there a day when it's like easy? And the answer is unequivocally, are you ready? No. Well, if I just make this choice, if I just do this thing, then it's going to be easy from here on out. <laughs> God's like, uh, actually, I'm going to ask more of you. And what happens is, is that Moses even came to the very end of his journey, 40 years in the wilderness. 
He's, he's all the way to the end. He's, you know, he's getting pretty darn old in this stage. And he's so ticked at the people, he gets up and says, you rebels, must I bring water from this rock? He's so upset. He's not upset at God. He's upset at the people. He's just, yeah, he's so angry at them. God says, speak to the rock. And Moses says, he taps the rock. And then he pauses and nothing happens and thinks, oh my gosh, what have I done? And he taps the rock again. And now comes water. And everyone's like, oh, Moses, you're so amazing. And then God says to Moses, because you did not uphold my name as holy and you did not trust in me, you will not enter the promised land. So even at the end, this great character of Moses didn't accomplish all that God called him to accomplish. He did a darn lot though. But at the end of his journey, you think, man, he failed. He made a mistake. He screwed up. He never made it. Did you know? That's natural thinking. We realize that later on in the life of Jesus, look, six days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and the the brother John to the top of a high and lonely hill. And as they watched his appearance change so that his face shone like the sun and his clothing became dazzling white, suddenly Moses and Elijah appeared. We're talking with them. Do you think that God will bring Moses along if Moses was a failure? You think God would say, hey, here's the Old Testament, here's the prophets, and here's the fulfillment of that through Christ. Do you think that God would abandon Moses in this moment because, oh, Moses was angry and he's just human and I can't believe Moses is such a human. After all this time, can he just be perfect like me? No, even at the end of your life, you're gonna make mistakes, but you need to know something. You might not make it fully to the promised land by the time you die, but guess what? That's not the point. The promised land is an eternal life. Like, we think the promised land is having this perfect life. No, that's the point. It happens in the life to come. In the new heaven and the new earth, that's when you and I will say, finally, my soul can rest from my work. And Moses, even though he didn't make it and wasn't perfect, he didn't have it all figured out, God still said, yes, but I'm gonna use you for my purposes. And yes, you made some mistakes. And yes, you're probably not gonna taste the promised land. He says, but trust me, the fruit in the spiritual promised land tastes so much better than the fruit in the natural promised land. I'm still going to promote you, Moses. So you need to know something today that your answer might be no, but if God could just have a small ounce of yes. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says this, but I am with you and that is all you need. My power shows up best in weak people. He wants your weakness. Here's the fourth thing. It feels like God let me down. God allows us to face situations that lead us to failure to test our trust in him and in his plans. Moses, finally, the last thing we read in this scripture in in Exodus chapter five, the last thing Moses said to God was send someone else. (laughs) And God still came back to him again and said, hey, I still want you to go to Pharaoh. He's like, I didn't, did you hear me, God? Comes back to me, even after God said, listen, I just don't wanna do this. Moses just kept moving forward. I just don't want to do this yet. Still, Moses is still showing up. I just don't want to do this, God. And yet Moses still, okay, God, fine, I'll do it. Just send someone else. Like, I don't want to be in this situation. I don't want to give this up. I don't want to go. Yet Moses still said, fine, I'll go. And finally, Moses says, I want you to go to Pharaoh and I want you to tell him to let my people go. So Moses moves to Egypt and gets up in the morning and he goes and grabs Aaron and he shows up to the palace and he checks in with the secretary. And she, Did you have an appointment? He goes, well, no, I didn't have an appointment. I got the power of God all over me, girl. I don't need an appointment. <laughs> I got an appointment. You got an appointment with God. She, she says, no, sir, you can't go in there. 
Moses in there and burst past the secretary and go through the big doors and down the long hallway. And the guards are standing there saying, Halt, sir! Moses says, I'm here with the power of God, with a staff in my hand and Aaron on my right. And you better let my people go! The Lord told Moses, go and do this. This is what I want you to do. I want you to go and I want you to proclaim my word. Moses is like, yes, I'm going to win, finally. <laughs> he shows up and Pharaoh says back to him, who is the Lord? Who are you talking about? What do you mean? The Lord, like, you expect that name to mean something to me? What do you mean, Jesus, Jehovah? Like, I don't know that God. Baal I know and all these other gods I know, but I don't know your God. And it says that they kind of gather themselves again and he leans over to Aaron and says, Aaron, try it again. Say it with more gusto this time, Aaron. I'm working on you, bro. When you talk to people, be more confident, Aaron, okay? Aaron's like, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, why are you distracting the people from their work? You know what? Because of this, I'm going to make my purple work even harder. I'm not going to even give them bricks. They got to make their own bricks. They got to make their own stuff. And now the people of Israel were under a greater oppression than when they started. Moses comes back to God and says, what is going on? You led me down this path, and it feels like I'm stepping in a big pile of failure. You thought I was going to say something else, didn't you? I'm a Christian, folks. I don't talk like that. I walk in with God's authority and God's word. I'm gonna move to this place. I'm gonna start that relationship. I'm gonna move into this season. And I get there and I fail. But God led me here. So was I wrong? No, you were right. But God allows us sometimes to fall flat on our face. You say, why would God do that? Because he's trying to test your faith in him. See, I don't like that. Well, get over it. <laughs> That's what God does. He allows us to face situations where he says, listen, you got to remember, this ain't about you. This isn't about your future success. This isn't about your finances succeeding, though those things happen. This is not about you. This is about me and my purpose is not Ryan, Jesus. <laughs> this is about the Lord. I'm testing you that even when you obey me and it doesn't work out like you hoped it would, do you still trust in me? That when you step out in faith and make that thing or, or start that business or move to that place or be in that relationship or make that investment or go on that journey that you know God told you, confirmed through two or three witnesses, the Lord spoke to you, you have peace, there's open opportunity. You're like, God is in it and I feel like I'm failing. You say, God, what's going on? God says this, you have no idea what I'm doing behind the scenes. Do you trust me? And most of Christians, this is the moment, this is the time, this is the season when most followers of Jesus make a conscious decision that I'm going to be a follower of Jesus, but I'm going to be nominal. Why? Because I'm disappointed with God. I'm frustrated with the place of life that I'm in. I don't like where this has led me. And so you know what? I'm going to serve God, but only if God blesses me. If God doesn't bless me, I ain't going forward. Why? I've been there before, and I don't like the feeling of failure. And every time the Lord puts us in these situations, it's so that we will learn to trust in the Lord. We'll learn that even when things get worse, 
even when the cancer gets worse, even when the marriage gets worse, even when the relationships get worse, the, their boss gets even more irritating. <laughs> I don't have a boss necessarily, so I can say that. But Pastor James is like, uh-huh. <laughs> the ministry gets worse. What happens when I obey God and life gets worse? Did I do something wrong? No, no, no. He's just saying, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Look what the Lord said to Moses. The Lord said to Moses, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. I needed this to happen. I was in this failure. You think that when you fail, God's not in it? No, God's actually about to use the failure as a platform to show his power. He's about to do something supernatural. It says in the scripture, uh, see what I will do to Pharaoh when he, when he, when he, uh, Feels, they, it's so small on my phone. When he feels the force of my strong hand, he will let the people go. In fact, he will force them to leave. And God said to Moses, I am Yahweh the Lord. Moses, you went thinking you were doing it? No, 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 I'm Yahweh. I need you to understand. It's not about you. It's not about your goodness. It's not about your smarts. It's not about your personality. It's not about how good you are. No, 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 no. It's about me. That even in failure, I will make a way. Verse number five, sometimes life doesn't make sense. Very similar to this, but there's a, this is what it says, that when, when things don't make sense, choose to trust in God and remember that it isn't about you, but about God's glory. These two are, are, are in the same vein. This comes from when God had finally led the people of Israel out of, out of Egypt. They're on their first part of their journey. They're running away from Pharaoh, running away from the Egyptians because now Pharaoh came to his senses and thought, man, all of our service industry workers are leaving, so we need to go get them. And so he's, he's chasing after them. And look what God says. He says, uh, after leaving Succoth, they, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. God led them to Etham. Now, you've, this is the very first message I started with in this series. Etham was a dead end. It was, it was 40 kilometers past the place where God took them across the Red Sea. He led them on a journey to a dead end. They were surrounded by mountains. They were surrounded by the Red Sea. It was 300 meter high mountains. They, they, it was basically God leading them into a dead end. God led them to a place that didn't make any sense. And they walked and thought, God, this is weird. Like, where do we go now? God says, actually, what I want you to do is I want you to turn around, go back. Well, God, why didn't you put me there in the first place? Because I need you to understand something, and I know this is a very similar thought, but there's a reason why I'm repeating it, that this isn't about you. This is about the Lord. This isn't about your purposes. This is about God's purposes. And this is what God says to him when they were in a situation that didn't make sense. God, this just doesn't make any sense. He doesn't understand why this is going on. God, I, I, I'm trying to wrap my brain around why this would happen to your people. Why it feels like, God, that you, I'm in a situation right now that doesn't add up. God, why is this happening? It doesn't make any sense. And look what the scripture says in Exodus chapter 14, 4. I have planned this, the dead end, the turning back the positioning in front of the enemy, the waiting for Pharaoh's army to, over, to, to, to overtake them in order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. After this, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites camped 
there as they, as they were told. And the scripture continues. This is what he said. My great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops and his chariots and his charioteers. And when my glory is displayed through them all, all Egypt will see my glory and they will know that I am the Lord. I need you to hear me today. Man, this could be a song. Maybe it is. I don't know. When things don't make sense, no, literally God is about to display his glory. It doesn't make sense why the cancer is still here. It doesn't make sense why this situation is still happening. You say, God, why? He says, because I'm about to do a miracle. I'm about to do something above and beyond that they could ask a dream or imagine. I am about to blow your mind. I know it doesn't make sense. I know you don't understand what's next. I know this doesn't seem like it adds up. I know it feels like there's this nefarious plan of the evil one involved, but you need to understand something. God places you in situations that don't make sense because he wants to prove to you and to everyone around that he is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah God, and that he will receive all the glory. Number, number, number uh, six here. Not without your presence. The objective of our life isn't to get to the promised land, but to know God intimately. Very quickly, Moses has been spending, listen, over, over a month in the very tangible presence of God on top of a mountain. He had been with God. Just him and Joshua was off to the side. Here he is in the presence of God, learning about the tabernacle, the future, the future laws of God and who God is and his character and his nature. The Bible says he talked face to face with God as a friend talks to a friend. Moses is having a powerful encounter with the living God. Meanwhile, down below, the people are so frustrated with where Moses is at. They say, you know what? Let's just find a new God. Let's find a new leader and they'll take us to the promised land. In an instance of waiting and patience, they stopped putting their trust in the Lord and started putting their trust in man. And Aaron, who is a people pleaser, said, okay, I'll be your leader. (laughs) And give me all your gold. Let's make a golden carved image and we'll worship it. How about that? That's a good idea. So they make this golden image and they start worshiping, doing all their things and worshiping this golden image. And God's like, oh my gosh, my people are down there right now worshiping another God. You better get down there and just discipline them, okay? Moses walks down the hill and he's so ticked. I shared last week, he broke the commandments in two and he's upset with the people. He grinds the gold image down into a powder, puts it in water, makes them all drink it. You're gonna drink this. And then God says something to Moses that was, life-shattering for the people. He says this. The Lord said to Moses, leave this place, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt and go up to the land I promised an oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob saying, I will give it to your descendants and I will send an angel before you and drive out all of the ites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey. He says, okay, listen. I made a promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and I'm a God of my promises. I made a covenant. And so you're actually still gonna go up, but I need you to know I'm gonna send an angel and look what he says, but I will not go with you because you are a stiff-necked people and I might destroy you on the way. He says, listen, because I'm a good God and I'm a covenant-keeping God, 
You can go ahead and go into the promised land. You can have that marriage. You can have all the things that you've been asking for, but I need you to know there's now a barrier between us because of your unwillingness to yield to me. So you might be living in my blessing, but you ain't got my presence. You might be experiencing my goodness, but you are not anywhere near a relationship with me. And Moses hears this, and for the first time we see in Scripture, grabs his tent and goes and builds a tent outside the camp, runs out there, falls flat on his face. The glory of the Lord comes down, and look what Moses says. Look what Moses' concern is. Listen, everything's about to fall apart all this time. Everything they worked for, everything's about to, to, to fall apart right in front of him. And look what Moses says. Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me to lead these people, but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. And you've said... I know you by name, and you've found favor with me. Lord, if you are pleased with me, Lord, teach me your ways so that I may know you. And continue to find favor with you. He hears this idea, God, your presence is not going to be with me. God, I just want to know you. He's having an epiphany. He's having a realization. Oh, my gosh, the promised land is not the goal. I just want to be with God. Look what he says in the next verse. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here, God. I would rather be in a dank old desert, eating the same manna and the same quail, drinking water from a rock for the rest of my life, rather than being in the promised land, if I could just be in your presence. God, I don't want the future if you're not in it. God, I don't want that relationship if you're not in it. God, I don't want that business or that career if you're not in it. If you're not in it, you can take it. You can have the success. You can have the future. You can have the house. I don't want any of it. God, I want your presence. You realize that the destination of our life, the success, the retirement, the, the final resting place of our life, that is not the objective. The objective is to have an intimate and personal and life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ today, right here and right now. And lastly here today, the final is this, that God will make a way. Despite your mistakes and family background, your past sin, excuses and failures, God will make a way for his purposes to be fulfilled in and through your life. Let's take a moment and just think for 120 years, we have the privilege of looking back from his birth to his death. Look at the faithfulness of God. God made a way. God made a way despite the fact that Moses was unwilling. God continuously pursued him. God did mighty miracles to prove to Pharaoh to the Egyptian who he was. God led his people by fire by night and cloud by day. God split the Red Sea and in two and destroyed the enemies of God's people. God made bitter waters, sweet waters, and drinkable. God made manna ran down from heaven and quail come down from heaven. Water from a rock. Two times Moses raised his hands and his enemies were defeated. God spoke to his people despite their sin and failure. On and on it goes. The next generation crossed into the promised land as they went across the Jordan River led by their future leader. Leader, Listen, God is working on your behalf to get you to the promised land for your life. But all he needs is a yes, Lord. I need you to hear me today. God's going to make a way with or without you. You are not the hero of the story. We are not the center character in this story. We are just a part 
in the kingdom of God being brought to earth. We play a part in the return of Jesus Christ. And you get to play a part, big or small, based upon your willingness to say, yes, Lord. God, yes, Lord. Will you use me to fulfill the purposes of God in this earth today? God, I don't want to live for myself, Lord. The answer is yes. And God says, okay, I can work with that. I'm gonna make a way. I'm gonna move mountains. I'm gonna do miracles. I'm gonna transform lives. I'm gonna change your heart. I'm gonna heal bodies. I'm gonna renew hearts. I'm gonna renew minds. I'm gonna provide where there was no money. I'm gonna restore relationships where there was nothing. I'm gonna do miracles in your life. Come on, God is gonna make a way. He just needs a yes in your heart. He just needs a yes in your spirit. He's gonna, he, he will do the impossible. He just needs a mustard seed of faith in your life. Are you here today? just wants your yes.